0: Welcome to the Joy Factory, where we explore the art of happiness at work. I'm Susan DeFazio, your host and founder of Be Future Ready Today, where we develop toolkits that simplify our world of work and empower the how for happier and healthier outcomes, so that people and businesses can truly thrive. Our podcast guests come from all walks of life, and today we're delighted to welcome Ellen Cosgrove. Welcome, Ellen.
1: Hi Susan, thank you so much for having me. I really, I really appreciate um, being here, and I'm really excited for our conversation today.
0: Yeah, I am too. I'm, I'm, I'm. Just your background is so interesting to me, and I'm so I'm excited for for what we're going to talk about. So, just for the for our listeners, uh, a little bit about Ellen's background. Ellen is a trauma-informed facilitator with a background in community building and conflict resolution, as well as a master's in coexistence and conflict from Brandeis University in Boston. She also runs a dialogue project called Dinner and Dialogue and a community building consultancy called Community in Context. Today, Ellen is joining me uh, in London from across the, the pond in New York City, if you didn't already detect that from, from Ellen's accent. But today in this episode of The Joy Factory, uh, The Potency of Curiosity, Our discussion will explore how being curious um, about others can help us form connections that are both rewarding and surprising. And how by taking the time to ask good questions and truly listening to people's life experiences, we open ourselves up to hearing fascinating stories and learning different perspectives. We're going to be exploring Ellen's life experiences from working in New York uh, with the homeless to conflict resolution in Northern Ireland, and what it means to become more deliberate about making connections, even when you're naturally an introvert, or perhaps even if you experience social anxiety. But first, before we get into all of that, I'd like to start our conversation off, Ellen, by asking you, um, what is joy mean
1: to you personally? It's such a good question um, because I think it does mean a little bit different things to, to every single person. So joy, I think, to me, is really those moments of connection, of awe, of wonder, of laughter. Um, that can be really be as small as like when you're taking a walk and noticing a bird, to like something as big as like you know a celebration with the people you love. Um, so I think it's 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 what recharges us and like what light enlightens our load so we really can you know face the tough stuff um in our lives and i guess i think also really see like the the depth of joy like the way that you can experience joy is also kind of directly related to like how much you can sort of face the opposite of joy and i yeah. really find that you can't really have one without the other
0: well that's so true because you know life it, it's not usual or typical you can't live on one kind of continuum of joy but you know what I loved about how you described um, y- your take on joy was that sort of recharging you or lightening the load. It, that sometimes it is about hearing a bird sing or somebody saying "good morning" in the street. It just kind of gives us that little extra lift in our life, and so I, I really, ca- I can really connect to how you're, how you're describing joy, Ellen. I, I really. Um, yeah, it's it's it was nicely said. I have to say. Oh, thank you.
1: Thank you very okay. much.
0: Okay. Okay. So let's let's get into this. And you know, your your background to me is fascinating. And um, you know, we're talking about curiosity and connection. But in the work that you do, how do you define curiosity? I, I'm curious about that.
1: <laughs> so many layers there, right? There's so many layers of curiosity. I, I mean, to me, curiosity is really like, it involves a strong love of learning and like a desire to really like experience something new and learn something new about, um, about, you know, where you are or, you know, the, the animals and insects around you or to, to people around you. And I think, so uh, my work is really predominantly around kind of helping people to, helping to create the space for people to be curious about other people. Right, and to be able to kind of get into that mode where they, where they like, you know, want to learn about you know the the differences they have with people, but also kind of be curious enough to be open to seeing the similarities that they may have with people that um, that they may not expect. Right. So I think I think it's just really it's like it's it's being it's getting into that place where you can be comfortable enough, right, and feel safe enough um, to want to learn about you know who is around you
0: yeah i think that's interesting about being comfortable enough because if you're if you're truly curious and you want to learn it can take you into unfamiliar or uncharted territory can't it
1: oh yes oh yes yeah and i think you know curious people you know tend to want to travel a lot right they tend to want to eat you know really different food right so i mean i think our Mm -hmm. curiosity can show up in so many different ways in our life you know i think my mom is a science teacher Right. So I think from a young age, I saw someone who was curious about everything around them. Right. Yes. And, um, you know, and one thing about curiosity that I also you know recently learned, but also it makes so much sense is that when you're in that space of curiosity, it's really hard to be fear- fearful and and, I and my mom was saying like you know i don't love spiders i'm not a huge spider person right <laughs> but my mom would you know with any bug right she would see would get really curious about it and one of the reasons she said that is because she you know instead of being afraid she wanted to learn about it you know and so i thought that's just such a good example of like how we can like attribute that to other areas of our lives
0: yeah, it, interesting, isn't it? Because um, being fearful, I think sometimes we can be fearful of the unknown. But often, if you sit with that discomfort or push yourself that little bit more, actually, that's when that's when we we get into a learning mode. But you said something. It's the openness. Um, do you think it takes a particular kind of character to be open i mean you know given given your background in um, conflict resolution i would imagine that when when people have particular views whether they're religious or um political or wh- how, however they are shaping that, if you like, people can become quite entrenched, can't they, in their belief system. So uh, it, how, do you, uh, how do you open people up that perhaps might feel somewhat closed in, in, in being
1: receptive to other points of view? I mean, that's a really good question. I think, I mean, ultimately you can't force anyone right to do, to do anything really. (laughs) That's that's just, that's the, the way it goes. Right. So I, I don't know if I can make someone, you know, have ever been able to make someone be more open, but I think there are some ways that you can kind of create space for people and make them feel more comfortable um, to bring that out in them. And I also think everyone has the capacity for it. I, I you know I think obviously there's maybe some people that maybe you know present more curious than other people but I really think that every single person has the capacity for curiosity and I mean one of the tools and the, the main tool that I've been using a lot in my work because I saw it <laughs> to be something that so many people could relate to is talking mm-hmm. about food. All right, okay. Um, but still, you know, I would say no tool works in every context, right. You know, um, and, and, and nothing's going to work perfectly for every person. Um, but what I have found is that most people have a story about food.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah. And, And using, can you give us some examples maybe of, of how you've seen that really come to
1: life? Sure. I mean, so. I, um, when I was 25, I I left advertising and working in New York City, and I went and worked in Belfast, Northern Ireland, so over by you, um, and I did peace building work with an organization that actually used sports as a way to bring kids together. So another, you know, tool, it's kind of like to help bring people into a space where they got to know, you know, got to break down the barriers and get to know people from different um, communities. Um, and I, one of my, part of my job was to go and meet with a lot of people in the community. And so when, when I was over there, I had a million cups of tea and so many <laughs> biscuits, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And tea's not usually an American thing. I know I'm stereotyping here, but it's not usually uh it's more a British type of thing, isn't it?
1: Well, I'm actually I'm a tea drinker. I had a cup of tea right now. Ah, so I'm all right. I, okay. My grandmother is from England. So we okay. uh so tea was a big, a big thing in my family. So it felt yeah. familiar. But also when you, you know, have seven meetings during the day. You, having seven cups of tea is, is a lot of tea, you know,
0: mm-hmm, <laughs> a lot of mm-hmm. tea.
1: But I think that was one of the first places where really it was through sort of like the tea and biscuits that I got to like really hear people's stories right like people like opened up to me they told me about their experiences told me about the the work that they were doing told me about you know like who they had lost you know during the conflict there um and i just it just was so profound to me um just like those like experiences and just how like every single person i met had a story i think also in graduate school i i went to school with um, people from all over the world and this one moment i think that probably is the reason why i started doing the project that i that i'm I'm now doing is we had a potluck around Thanksgiving, which is a very American holiday, right? Um, where we eat a lot of food, <laughs> yeah. um, but we had everyone bring a food from their culture, from their country. And we had people explain, you know, like what, you know, a little story about that food. And it was really that potluck where I learned so much about the people that I was in class with every day. You know, and, and it really allowed me to get to know them in a different way and then really be able to kind of build on that relationship um, in class. So those are two examples. Yeah, but I mean, there's so many. I think I also am probably one of those strange people who just really have an irrational love of food. And I've always sort of learned probably the world through, through food too. So I, don't, I know not everyone is like that. <laughs> no, I know, but I think... Um food is
0: is is much well it is survival of course it is to us as humans but i think we're shaped by our experiences and our our food and and um the, that sort of coming together and sharing stories but one of the things that you said um about you know drinking endless cups of tea and having biscuits and so on you said i really listened and i think to me there's there's a couple of things about curiosity i think you 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 have to be open and you can't be fearful but the other thing uh is about asking good questions and i don't mean when i say good questions i'm not talking about being overly intellectual or being too clever i i talk about for me a good question is just something that is Relevant to the context would be one thing. But the other thing is listening, Ellen. You know, what are your experiences about sort of? Um, does it come really natural, do you think, to ask good questions and, and to listen actively? Or do you think that's something that we need to practice as, as human beings?
1: I think probably both. Uh, okay. I think. For me, I was, uh, you know, a shy little girl who kind of listened and watched a lot, um, you know, and was always aware of the room, right? You know, in a way that I wasn't sure other other kids were, you know, kind of aware of what was going on to the side of me and seeing interactions between people. And so maybe like listening and and watching was the way I've always learned in some ways. Um, But also, you know, I think what we do sometimes is when we're in a conversation or we're in class or we're in anything, we're thinking a lot about what we're going to say, Yeah. right? And so we're not always as present. So I've done that too, right? You know, because I've, you know, being a shy person, you know, I've, you know, tried to maybe focus too much time on what I was going to say. So I think it's also taken some training too, right, to really try to be present with the other person and know that when you listen more deeply, you actually will find the words mm-hmm. instead of taking yourself away from that conversation to sort of practice in your head, what you think is the perfect thing to say, or, you know, especially when, you know, in this country, when we talk about politics, right, we spend a lot of time maybe making our point right yes especially yeah. you know in, in all conflicts right we want to make our point we want to you know win right yes. instead of actually listening right and really listening to like the human story that's attached to whatever beliefs
0: hmm yeah it, this um What you're saying is fascinating, because I I can really identify personally with being shy and being somebody who watched and listened because I feel that a lot of my childhood was like that. And you could, it's a great thing about watching and listening because it's not just what people say, it's the non-verbal stuff that they do you know, whether it's self-soothing or a tick or whatever it is, you become quite heightened to that kind of observing and interpreting. So yeah, for somebody like me who likes to prepare a lot, um, I, I completely agree with you. It's where you find the gems, is, it's really when you're really actively listening, where you're you're not waiting to say something or to get your point across it's it's more about taking the the wisdom of the conversation and then expanding that more, or oh, tell me more. I mean,
1: would you agree? Absolutely, absolutely. But it's, I think it does take, it takes some practice, mm-hmm. right? And um, that's why I think actually, um, some of the programs that I run are so powerful. It's because you have a facilitator, right, mm-hmm. telling you when <laughs> you can't talk, like you know, right, to to like let people yeah. just talk and to listen. So having that structure, I think, though some people, you know, at first people are like, oh, I have to like listen, you know, it 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 doesn't maybe feel as natural initially, but actually mm-hmm. it makes it much more powerful. The experience more powerful because it forces you to listen. And it forces when you're talking to create a situation where you actually feel heard. You know, I I think it's now it's interesting now going to like social events and just realizing how much we talk over each other, right? And how much we just we don't listen, we just talk, right? And and it's like frustrating to me, you know, because I'm like, wait, 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 we need to listen, right? We need to listen. And also that when you're listened to, you feel heard
0: yeah that is so powerful because one of the things i would say so i i would i'm naturally curious about people i find people fascinating um but also i think i don't know if it's part of my upbringing some like a tick in me a nervous thing is that jumping in and you think you're showing empathy so you somebody says something about something you go oh my goodness yeah that's exactly what happened to me let you let me tell you about me so the attention comes back and actually what you're not really doing is really listening to that person and saying oh tell me more about that situation how did that make you feel and I think in this um I don't know if it's an attention-seeking kind of society that we live in these days i think we all as humans have to um learn to be quiet in the presence of others it's not a bad thing to just sit back and observe listen ask questions without feeling the need to jump in and say oh yeah i i I get that under the sort of the banner of empathy
1: yeah that's a really good point. And I'm sure I do the same thing. I'm not claiming that I am perfect in this in any way either, right? it's it's all a process. Um, yeah, and I think it's it's a it's about taking the risk to get yourself in a situation where you do get to like try and listen to someone new, right? And I think it's it's okay if you're if you don't do it perfectly, you know, like it's it's about it's about trying. It's about getting yourself, you know, it's about being curious enough to kind of like, to want to listen to someone else, I think too, you know? Yeah. Uh,
0: So where, uh, and by the way, I'm not perfect either. I've got, although I've got a, I've I've got a, I'm far from perfect, but I think it's that self check thing that I think we all have to do when um, sometimes somebody needs empathy but it's not necessarily through your story, it's through asking them more about their story, if you know what I mean. I think Absolutely. that's, the, that's, mm-hmm. the, that's the, the point I'm making. So when you, when you think about curiosity, Ellen, um, I, I feel this is maybe sort of really implicit, but I'd like you to talk, talk us through maybe perhaps some of the advantages that you think curiosity brings when you're building community. You know, um, how does it, how does it
1: help? Absolutely. Um, well, I think, and I think, I mean, I, I, I probably know too that being curious um, helps us to form relationships, mm-hmm. right? And so much of community is about forming relationships. Uh, so I think it's about, so I think really, being and also being curious again allows us to get out of that fear and anxiety a little bit. Um, so it puts us in a different place when we're, you know, building relationships and building trust with people around us. You know, whether this is at work, right, or in your neighborhood, um, it could even be in your family, right? Like if you think about the communities you have in your life. Um, because it's easy, I think, to get in situations, you know, especially at work, right, where you have maybe the same interaction with someone every day, right, and then you it it leads you to maybe make an assumption about them or you know jump to a conclusion about their intentions or you know where they're coming from, and I think it it you know it takes time. I think about curiosity is it it's, it does take time, right? It it. it, it involves us trying to have maybe another conversation or spending a little bit of time getting to know someone, um, know about someone, you know, outside of work or outside of, of the neighborhood. Uh, but I do think that once we do that, like once you you find out, you know, I always think like, I, it's always interesting when like, you've known someone for so long, and then you find out something new about them that you have in common, right? It just like deepens the relationship. And then it's going to make living near them, or working with them, right? Or being at family, um events with them so much more joyful so much more fun right so and and so i just think being curious has a way it could transcend um your experience in these communities
0: so do you think that um that this passion for sort of looking beyond sort of what you might expect is, is a way to break down what we all have, because we all have our own unconscious biases um, and stereotypes. You, you sort of feel that you, you've you got the measure of somebody or you know things about them. But that there's that whole thing about, you know, assuming about people. Do you think that that kind of helps us open our eyes
1: to looking beyond stereotypes? Absolutely. Right, because I think I mean we all naturally stereotype. Right, it's yeah. just it's like part of being human. It's part of the way we're wired. Right, it's part of our brain trying to keep us safe. You know, so I think it's it's something that you know there's there's no shame in admitting to it. But it's what we do with them. Right, it's what yeah. we do um, to transcend them, to push them. Right, and and to not allow ourselves to be our or our, our world to be completely owned by that. Um, absolutely. And I think the thing is, is really for people to be open to new perspectives, right? They need to be in a place of curiosity versus, you know, like we're not going to be open to a new perspective if we're if we're fearful, right? If we're feeling defensive, right? And so I think getting into curiosity, trying to learn about someone, learn about where they're coming from, learn about their story, even if you think that you have nothing in common with them. Um, you could find that you would see why they believe what they believe. You don't have to agree yeah. with them. Right. But that human story, them telling you about their life, right. Um, yeah. going to make it really hard to dismiss them. Right.
0: And do you, I mean, you must have been in situations where people are, um, you know, they become so entrenched in their own view. You know, it's that even when something, they're saying things that you perhaps, um, you don't believe in personally, how do you take the tension out of these kind of situations, Ellen? You know, are there any sort of techniques either instinctively that you use or something that you have learned to use as a, a practitioner
1: in this field? Well, I think it's also important to remember that you can't get, you know, like things take time. Okay. Right. And trust is important. So I think also um, starting, you know, if, if learning about someone new or learning about someone that maybe learning that you're maybe think you have nothing in common, it's maybe starting with something more neutral, right? I mean, this is why, you know, people think like, oh, food, but this is why I start with the food. Right? right? Because we're starting with something neutral. And then we're maybe gonna build to talk about something that could be more contentious, right? Yeah. So I just think you can't always force going right for the contentious. You really, if you really want to, you know, build a relationship with someone, you need to start, you need to start small, right? Mm-hmm. And people need to feel comfortable, right? So I think, that's, I think that's something like you can't always get there from here. It does take some time yeah it's a very very good point have you got
0: any a a couple of stories that you could share with us about um maybe this sort of something taking time but you know starting with the food and forming perhaps maybe a surprising kind of connection or overcoming a, a a stereotype anything that you could share with us that highlights this sort of starting with the food place you know the food piece
1: Yeah. So I, um, in 2018, sort of in response to the election um, that had been in this country, I was like, all right, what, you know, what could I do? What could I do? So I started a my project out of my apartment in Brooklyn. You know, I started where I was, and it started, um, you know, writing around themes, inviting people to bring food around the themes, and then facilitating conversation around those themes, right? And um, especially at that at that point, too, I really didn't want to talk about politics with people, right? I yeah. wanted to talk about the issues that we all face, you know, the very like very human things, because I wanted to focus more on, you know, like talking about the important things versus kind of like us going into our camps and just entrenching down, mm-hmm. kind of, you know, so so I think, you know, some of the topics I talked about were like outside, home, fear, love, you know, resilience, you know, and then of course, COVID started and, you know, there was a whole new, whole, all new things to talk about. Um, but I think one dinner I remember in particular um, is I did a dinner in LA with a, a group of friends who, well, it was friends and, and people, you know, friends of friends. Um, and they were people who were maybe a little more wary of dialogue, right? <laughs> um, they were like, what are you, you know, like, what is this, Ellen, right? But they came because they love me and they invited their friends and, and we talked about love. And um, one of my friend's brothers was there and I, you know, I was, you know, when you're a little bit of embarrassed, you're like, oh, I don't know if he's going to. I'm not sure he's going to like this. You know what I mean? Like yes. I, you know, like I, like I was a little bit, cause it is, it, it has been, you know, a more, it's been vulnerable for me to share this with people too. Yes. Right. And myself. Right. And then here we're talking about love. And so, you know, that we, we talked food, everyone brought food that they loved. Right. And so the first question was, um, you know, please like, you know, like what's the food that you love? So we went around there probably 15 of us um we talked about that and then we started talking about different kind of kinds of love and you know there's always what i find there's usually like a moment in these conversations where someone decides to really go there and then mm-hmm. people fall and it was my friend's brother who did it right he started talking about kind of like self love and some of the things that he struggled with and you know like you know and everyone was crying right it was one of one of those like really kind of like wow. profound moments and then him kind of like deciding to really take it there Meant everyone else did, yeah, right. And it just like it switched, like yeah. you know, it went from being kind of it's more like you know, um, we were talking more, you know, like about the things that maybe like aren't as vulnerable to being something that where people really went there. And mm-hmm. and so I just think like that that maybe just that we, even within a night right, that you can create the space and build trust to get to a space where people, you know, can be really vulnerable and kind of like share, share more things. So, you know, I am I, so it's sometimes it really kind of depends on the group. It could be something that could take months, right. You know what I mean? Or it could be something that could take an hour, right. Yeah. Like depending on the group. So that's just, I just an example of like, you kind of, sometimes even I'm surprised, right? Like, I think like, oh, a participant isn't going to get get it, right? But then actually they're the ones that like really like lead the way for other people.
0: It's interesting, isn't it? I, you know, I could take the conversation off in a different direction, but I've often found when I've made, just like you've done, sort of my own assessment of a particular you know an individual where they're prepared to go or not go um, invariably proved wrong and i think um that piece around vulnerability and honesty i think as long as it's done in a way that is really authentic the power of dismantling fear or any reservation you have about revealing things uh, about yourself or others it sort of evaporates doesn't it It becomes really natural and extremely rewarding um but you know you talk about the, this example in in la i i'm I, I'm, I'm making an assumption that that wasn't sort of a, a homeless um, uh, environment, you know, for people from a homeless background. But if you think about the work that you do with uh, the homeless, Ellen, it, it, those individuals, um, I would imagine, there's a vulnerability that's more obvious about them. The the connect the connection that they all have is that they're homeless. Do, do you find it's the same or different when you're working with people perhaps that have are more disadvantaged in that sense they're living they're living a, a life that is
1: um well i guess disadvantaged because they're homeless so actually the people i'm working with are considered formally homeless um okay. because they they uh, are now okay. housed in supportive housing um in in new york so but i don't you know, i say house they have these very small rooms you know mm-hmm. um with uh you know not a full kitchen you know so it's it's okay. i wouldn't say it's i wouldn't say it's a home but they're you know they're, they're off the street so it's definitely a step um yeah i mean i think so i do run cooking classes um for, at a couple uh supportive housing um buildings in new york for formerly homeless people and i think that space, right? The space of food, right? Mm-hmm. Allows people um, to relax a little bit, right? And and you build trust with them, right? And, and I found, you know, a lot that if people come to a couple classes, you know, by the end of that class, they're telling me their life stories, right? They're, yeah. te- they're telling me, you know, what happened. And it is, you know, sometimes it is very hard because people can present, you um, quite combative or they can, you know, seem not interested or, you know, like, I just think people are coming from all different walks of life. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so I think absolutely my stereotypes have been challenged consistently in that job, you know, because sometimes, you know, the people that I least expect to get the most out of the classes that come to me after and say how much they enjoyed it, you know? So, and, and, and I do think like, you know, it's been such a privilege right to, to hear people's stories, right. And hear and fascinating. And I've learned so much, you know, from people that come to my classes. So, so yeah. So I think it's, it's, um, you know, equally challenging and, um, but, but yeah, I just think food again, you know, provides this space where people can come kind of like in an you know, kind of equal, Level and just come and you know learn how to how to cook, share a meal, and and talk. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, th- there's that saying. I don't know if I'll get it right, but there's more that unites us than the divides us. I suppose, and I think that's true. I found that to be true in life. Um, even with people who, so I'm naturally curious and I'll ask questions. And sometimes you can see people are really uncomfortable with questions because they're thinking who is she why do i need to but i persevere in a way that is hopefully gentle and respectful and and all of those good things but usually um you can start to break down you you find this commonality in some way shape or form um but it can never be scripted can
1: it no can't be even even though i wanted you know i come prepared right (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely i still come prepared so
0: in in saying all that we you know we've we've talked about we can't be fearful um and we can't be scripted what do you think are the risks of curiosity in uh, uh, and i mean there's multiple kind of situations but would you have any kind of guidance or cautionary tale for us in terms of where curiosity may not be the best tool, as it were,
1: to form that connection? Hmm, that's a good that's a good question. I think the thing is is fear fear's there for a reason, right? Mm. where you know fear is there to keep us safe. Mm-hmm. And so we're never going to not have fear, you know, like and it's going to, it's going to always be there. I think, um, I think it's about people really like listening to their gut and listening to their intuition and, you know, knowing when they are in a space where they can be curious and knowing when they're in a space when they cannot. Right? Yeah. So I think it's also about like we all are different, right? And we all our comfort levels are different. And we know when we can push it and be curious and still feel like we're going to be safe and yes. when we're not. And so I think I think it's I think it'd be hard for me to tell someone else, you know, like what what that would be for them. I think it's about people like, really trusting themselves, you know? And, yeah. and I think, you know, it's, it's it's been a little bit harder, right? Cause with COVID too, all of a sudden people, we were told to be afraid of people for other reasons. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, being around people could make us sick. Right. So I even find, I even find, you know, like that I have to kind of combat this like other level of fear now, right. To go be with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, so I, I think, Curiosity, of course, like we wanna we don't wanna put ourselves in you know in a place where we could get hurt, right? But we have to sort of gauge what that fear is, you know? Is this fear because of COVID? Is this fear because I'm afraid they're not gonna like me? Is this fear because I'm afraid i'm not going to like them or is this you know fear for actual safety i think um you know
0: I, I, i think you've answered that
1: beautifully because i think you know this
0: this thing about risk is an ocean and and that's where we combine our head our heart and our gut to inform us Um, as humans about fight or flight or whatever it is it brought to mind a situation i had in uh, chicago the first time i i was ever in chicago and i was staying downtown in the city park but i arrived on a saturday so it was really really quiet and i got a bit lost going back to my hotel and i don't know there was uh, there's the what do you call it the the, it's not the subway but it's on the the loop on top of you that's it that's it yeah Mm -hmm. and um this homeless man appeared from nowhere and, and asked me if I was okay. And my first instinct was to to sort of kind of like, you know, oh my gosh, I'm under threat here. And actually, I, I just went with my gut and I didn't feel scared at all. Um, and, you know, it maybe it helps that I'm used to city living or whatever. But the gentleman just, t- I told him where I was going, he said, let me walk you around. And we chatted and you know repeating that story back or if i was you know telling my my mother about that for instance she'd say oh my goodness you're taking too many risks but it didn't feel like a risk it just felt okay and i think that's what you're saying you have to use your own instinct to be able to say i need to pull back from this or you know get out of here or really push ahead in a way that is respectful and it's curious um so yeah i i thought you answered that question really really well oh thank you yeah and um, having curiosity about your own
1: fear too Yes. right yes, like, yeah like challenge i mean because i think we all have fears right and i mean like i said but like you know like like why yeah why am i so mm. afraid of this person right is it because of a personal experience is it because of like something i saw on the news it's because you know like it's it's getting curious about that i think too yeah yeah well we it, we are all conditioned about you know but this man
0: just looked unkept he was a man i suppose and that's a, the the male female safety thing mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. all of that but actually it was i have to say and i you know that i'm talking now oh gosh, 12 years ago, and look at, I'm talking about it again, and that mom you know when you talked about joy earlier on, mm-hmm. about those kind of connections and that sort of, you know, the small moments, that was a small moment of joy for me because actually it broke down something that I was, a preconceived idea of how ha- I had something, and I learned something about myself, you know, not to be so quick to kind of judge a book by its cover, as it were. Um, so no, it's, uh, it, yeah. So tell me something then. So, you know, I think we've talked about this before, Eleanor, we're we're naturally curious people, kind of lifelong learners, we have that in common, although we've never physically met before. But, you know, what advice would you give to, to others about, being more deliberate. And I, I'm talking now maybe from a, a, a point of view or a perspective where, you know, if you're an introvert or if you suffer from maybe in the extreme social anxiety, do you have any words of wisdom that you can, that, that, that would help listeners sort of navigate that? You know, I wanna be more engaged, but I'm nervous of it.
1: Susan, I'm sorry, I just I just lost you for a minute.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, let me let me see if I can repeat the question. Yeah, Don't worry. repeat the question. <laughs> so, so that now this is going to be a task. <laughs> I'm so, sorry. Um, so, no, 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 no. Don't apologize. Don't apologize. No, I'm. I was asking about um, what advice would you give to others about becoming more deliberate about making connections, and and what I'm talking about here is that. Um, you know, if you're introverted, I mean, you and I have got a, a, a natural sort of a tendency to be curious and to be lifelong learners, although we've never met before. But actually, you know, there are there are some people that really find it hard to. To ask questions or to be curious and make connections, you know whether they've got this, you know, tendency to be a bit introverted. I'm an introvert that's learned to become more extrovert, I guess. Or if you, in the extreme, where you've got maybe um, social anxiety, have you got any sort of words of wisdom that 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 might help listeners in that regard?
1: Yeah, so I'm an introvert too. I'm an extroverting introvert, you know, so I'm very um. good at very good at talking to people. Um, but then yeah, I need time away from people. Um yes. I definitely need time away from people. And I think COVID especially in some ways, you know, I became more of an introvert again, right? Because I was like, you know, removed from people, but it also made me realize how much I missed people too, which was very interesting. But yeah, also has made it hard to go back, right? Hard to, to get back into social situations. And it's brought up definitely some of my social anxiety for sure. And I'm sure I'm not alone in that. Um, mm-hmm. I think, again, it's about maybe being curious with your with your own fear around it. Right. Yeah. And also yeah. making sure that you're meeting your own needs. Right. So I know that I love being around people and I really, you know, I do like, I learn so much from people, but that I also need time alone. Right. So I think if you're someone who knows that about yourself, make sure to take care of yourself and get your time alone so that you can then go to that party on Saturday night. You know what I mean? Or yeah. you go to the party on Saturday night and you leave early. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you can do it in your own way. Also, maybe you don't like going up and talking to strangers. So then it's about maybe joining some kind of club, right? Where where you know someone else is doing the work of grouping people for you. You know, maybe yes. it's about joining a cooking class, or you know, that not be cooking. It could be you know joining a sports team. Like I think it's about kind of like getting yourself into spaces, you know, where you might meet someone else doing an activity, right? So then it's it's not all about like you going up to strangers and 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 talking to them, right? I'm just, I think it's it's just about kind of like getting out there and even maybe it's even at work, right? Like, so say within your work, maybe it's just about trying to like ask the guy from accounting that you've never talked to, you know, a question about his life. Like, does he have children? Mm -hmm. Does he have a wife? You know, maybe it's just like challenging yourself to ask a a person you've sat next to in a cubicle for years, one question, one new question, you know, like it doesn't have to be this like grand thing. I think it's just like within your own life, where can you get curious about the people that are there? And how could you put yourself in the situations to maybe meet some new people?
0: Yeah, I think that's really good advice because I don't know anybody actually, you know, in the, in, I say a professional world, but I mean, so the business world, you know, if you're doing networking as an example, I don't know anybody, even those who do it a lot, who, particularly like walking into a room on their own and sort of, you know, I think we all have that sort of some form of anxiety. Some are are, are more heightened than others. And I found that if you think less about yourself and more about others and saying, you know, do you mind if I join you? Or, hey, you know, I'm curious about this or whatever it is. I think once you take that first step to take yourself out of that, your comfort zone, as it were, I typically find that you're rewarded. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so anything, I can't believe we've been talking for, for as long as we have, Elena. I could talk to you for hours. Well, if there, you know, in terms of making connection and curiosity, um, you may have said it all, so don't feel pressured to answer this, but well, if you've learned one or two or three things what what are the what what are the those that you would pass on to others ellen what would be your words of wisdom
1: my words of wisdom i think that i think we need to remember that you know remember how like what we get from connection right like connection mm-hmm. is so intrinsic even if you are An introvert, right? And you and or you don't like being in large groups, right? You still we still need people, right? We need relationships. We need we need that connection, right? And I think sometimes we only think about maybe the tough parts about being with other people, right? Or you know, and I think it's it's trying to remember like the joy and the connection that is there with us in these relationships that we have. And, and yeah, pushing ourselves a little bit, not pushing, you know, like I said, for everyone, it's a little bit different, right? Like everyone's kind of like where they want to be, you know, like maybe you only want to, you know, be with someone one-on-one, you don't want to be in a large group, but I do think it's, it's like challenging ourselves, get out of our comfort zone just a little bit and getting curious because the reward is joy. That's what I would say. I would say that, that the reward, like the reward and that, that joy is what's going to help us get through the tough stuff about life and i also think like you know we look at the news we look at all the terrible things that are happening in the world i you know like just like everyone else get very discouraged and then i go to the store and sometimes i have this two-minute conversation with a stranger and my hope is restored just a little bit Mm -hmm. right so i just think not only it just makes us feel better you know and so just giving yourself that opportunity to feel better about the world and feel better about humanity sometimes takes a little bit of a risk in getting out there and talking to a new person or asking someone you've known a new question. But I really do believe that there's such a reward there and then it builds hope. Um, and that hope is what's going to help us continue going.
0: Well oh gosh you've said it so well Ellen I mean really so well I've I've thoroughly enjoyed it so as we draw to close you do so much great work I mean what is it how is it best for people to to get in touch with you is it via LinkedIn or through your website
1: because I believe you've got a dinner and dialogue website is that correct Yes um yeah people can Find me on LinkedIn if they want, but also my Dinner and Dialogue website is www.dinneranddialogue.org, and also I'm. Well, depending on when this comes out, I'm. I'm making a new website for uh, my consultancy, and that will be www.communityincontext.com. So through any of those, um, yeah, I, I would love you know to talk to talk to you about you know bringing some programming to your community, whether it's work or outside of work.
0: Well, you know, I mean, uh, we as you know because as we talk about the preparation for the podcast it's this is unscripted the only scripted question is like you know asking about your personal take on joy but i know in our conversations leading up to this um every one of my conversations with you i've learned something or and i felt uplifted so i would encourage people to to reach out to ellen she does some terrific work and have a conversation be curious i contact her i would really uh, i would love it if you if you were in, inundated with uh, requests to have a little chat and see where this can take you because i think you do Uh, Well, first of all, I think you've got a terrific background, but I also think you're doing some terrific work in the community, and I applaud you for that. So thank you, Ellen. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on um, the Joy Factory.
1: Thank you very much, Susan. It was wonderful um, having this conversation, and I really appreciate the opportunity. You're welcome.
0: Thank you, Ellen, once again. I'm sure we could have chatted much more about the potency of curiosity. Some of the takeaways for me about curiosity and connection are about being open, uh, being open to learning about ourselves and others, and being open to overcoming our natural tendencies to make assumptions and, at the worst, stereotyping coupled with the power of listening to understand and to learn rather than listening to speak about ourselves makes the skill of connection more rewarding and authentic i also loved ellen's take on joy being something that recharges us and lightens our load whether they are big or small moments Please join us for the next episode where I'll be chatting with our next guest and discovering their thoughts about how we can connect and create happiness for ourselves and others.